Welcome back to Podcast 13 of 2024. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OVKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetMGM. Bet $5, get $150 worth of free bets from BetMGM. Just click on the link in our podcast description. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you look to support The Ozbreakers to benefit from our premium plays, please visit theosbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any for winning cappers, including myself, to get our premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theosbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. My friends, it is post-Super Bowl, which means it's all about college basketball and UFC baby here on out. Well, at least until April for college basketball. Then we switch over to baseball. And last year, I had a great baseball record. I was positive about 12 units at the end of the season. Uh, It has a lot of ebbs and flows and dips and peaks, right? And baseball is just a a sport where you don't want to get too involved on a daily basis. You want to have a play uh, maybe a day, maybe every other day. But if you're going to start playing a lot of games, you're giving yourself up to variance. It's a tough sport to bet, and you can go up or down pretty fast if you are not careful in baseball. I personally reduce my unit size by a lot when it comes to baseball betting, but it gets me through the summer, and heck, I'm getting good at it, and I have a system that so far has worked out quite well for myself and some members at the odds breakers so be prepared for some baseball packages coming out very soon but here we are in college basketball mode and we have a great guest for you today mr brian edwards vegas b edwards from major wager and vegas insider is going to break down ufc 298 as well as college basketball huge slate of games for february 16th through the 18th can't wait to get brian on and talk about these two major sports for the weekend and i'm telling you ufc 298 is gonna be fantastic but before we get into that little recap on the super bowl was very happy with our prop plays we were up 2.9 units yeah it could have been better you know we hit some good ones uh christian mccaffrey for the first super bowl or for the first touchdown at four to one was nice. Of course, it was only paid really one to one because we had other bets on that. But I was happy to hit one of those. I mean, how about that first field goal prop at plus eight three eighty five uh, for the Forty uh, ers and I had plus three seventy five for the Chiefs. But that thing hits every year. Blended odds at plus one ninety. Man, was very happy to hit that once again. It's it's literally an automatic bet for me every single Super Bowl. So remember that one uh, going into next year. But I was really happy to see Jennings throw a pass over 2.5 passers. Heck, our free props we gave out were absolute money. I hope you guys got them on Sunday. I think we won five of seven of the ones that I put out there. I'll have to recheck, but it was uh, just an amazing Super Bowl prop week. Uh, As far as the side in total, ended up down only 0.3 units. Now, obviously... 
Kyle Shanahan shit the bed again and blew the game for his team. And I'll get into that, exactly how he did that in a minute here. But I kind of saw the possibility of that happening. And that's the whole creative part of the Chiefs handicap that I respected. Remember the box checking thing? Well, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, and Mahomes at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, those are serious boxes you have to consider. So when the 49ers jumped the Chiefs 10 to nothing, I immediately went to the app, sent it out on Telegram to the subscribers saying we are buying back for half on the Chiefs plus six and a half at plus 100. Now, plus seven and a half was there. I really thought about laying minus 135 and plus seven and a half. But if I was going to do that, I would have did the, I would have probably bet the full amount. And uh, I, I still thought there was a chance the Niners were going to win and Shanahan wasn't going to blow the, blow the game. But I'm glad I hedged it because it really made for a great Super Bowl weekend. You know, you win the Chiefs side, you lose the 49ers side, but that first half under, baby, that we had two stars on was absolute money once again. And I took a personal play on the second half over. It was actually uh, <laughs> good because that last field goal pushed it over. Now the number was 36 and a half. So uh, it was at 38 by the time it was tied at the end. Uh, it was a full game actually live bet. So you could have looked the second half over. It probably would have been around that number anyway right around the around the number 21 and a half or something like that but either way uh was really happy that I did that personally I kind of wish I did send that out but the way the game was playing it was a very defensive game especially from the Chiefs side um actually kind of from the Niners side a little bit as well the Niners got the ball first couldn't capitalize but man that first quarter was very low scoring but obviously uh, the Niners had that horrible turnover uh, with the McCaffrey fumble, and later the Chiefs uh, had a fumble themselves in the first half where Pacheco fumbled it. So those cancel each other out. But what lost the game was a few different things for the Niners. It was obviously the punt fumble. That was horrible. I mean, the way that Jennings was catching that ball anyway, uh, or was it Ray Ray McLeod? I can't remember. It, I would have just let those balls bounce. <laughs> I mean... It, it's like you're the Niners. You you can move the, you can move the ball. Um, I just kind of saw something bad happening, so that was awful. And the Niners kind of survived it and was able to score, but they could have secured the win at the end of the game, third and five at the two minute warning, and they couldn't convert. That that was the game right there. But here here we are, and we go to overtime, and then Kyle Shanahan makes one of the most bone headed coaching mistakes I've seen in quite some time. Well, at least in a playoff slash Super Bowl game in quite some time. I see stupid coaching mistakes all the time. But seriously, you took the ball in overtime when any score does not win it. Oh, no! You know? I mean, what the hell were you thinking? I mean... There's now video out there of Patrick Mahomes running out and saying, dude, they took the ball. I can't believe it. We don't even have to worry about it. And Kelsey's sitting there celebrating. Obviously, you don't do that. I mean, every college football coach, except for Deion Sanders and his mess up in overtime, but it's Deion, too, who's kind of clueless to this stuff, takes the defer. You defer and let them get the ball. Okay, let 
them get the ball. So that way, you know what you have to do. Not only that, if they score the field goal, you're the one that gets four downs. You seriously are going to risk Mahomes with even even if you scored a touchdown, you're going to risk Mahomes going down the field and having control of his own destiny. Ugh. Idiot. Not only that, if you stop them right away at their 25-yard line and they have to punt, you might be getting the better field position and you can kick a field goal to win the game. You know, there's so many reasons to defer in that situation. What do you think you're doing? What have you done? Do you know what you just did? Huh? I'll tell you what you just did. You just, in a very simple common term, made the mistake of a lifetime. What a terrible move. He's thinking the, he's going to get the ball a third time. Well, I'm telling you, buddy, you're, the Chiefs were never going to not go for two in that situation, and no bad coach or medium coach would. A bad coach might, but a medium coach would not do that. You know? I mean, your best hope is once they have four downs, they're going to get a field goal, and then you stop them for like fourth and 15, and they decide to kick the field goal from the 30 or 40. And, th- and then you get the ball back again. But that's just the one of the very few scenarios that could work out for you there. And, you know, not going to lie, that having the players not understand that situation in this big of a game is embarrassing to the coach. It's not embarrassing so much to the players because players play ball. And that's why I always say about, you know, how players get the big jobs and as a sports analyst it, while they're completely clueless to how the game goes. You see that all the time. But I don't expect that out of players. Players are athletes. They play the game. They run their plays. Offensive players don't know the intricacies of defense. Maybe if they remember it from high school, but a lot has changed since high school football, buddy. You know? I mean, players just, they play the game, but they, sometimes they don't even know why they're called for penalties. You know? It, it's absolutely insane that Shanahan was not ready for this game. You know? You think his dad would have went down there and just helped him out or something, but Jesus, man, for being such a great offensive mind and offensive coordinator, not to mention going away from the run in the third quarter blew my mind as well, but there, that wasn't the only mistake in overtime here. They also made the other mistake by kicking the field goal as it is. I mean, when you, when you go up three, that's worse than going up zero because if you miss the, the fourth and goal from the four, Kansas City gets the ball at their four-yard line. And it's not four-down territory. So when they got to that fourth down, they punt. Then you have a chance again. (laughs) You know? So going for that field goal was the worst thing you could have done in that situation. Literally two massive mistakes by Kyle Shanahan. And the next time this team goes to a Super Bowl, you really have to think about if you could trust this man at the end of the game. You're fired.
I'm kidding. Don't fire Kyle Shanahan. Still way better than everybody else out there. But hey, maybe help this man out a little bit at game management. All right. Well, the truth is the Niners, I think, win that game more often than not. They lost that game. The spread said that the Kansas City Chiefs win about 48 out of 100 times and the Niners win about 52 out of 100 times. If I could play this whole thing again, I bet the Niners on the money line again. And I come back at just as hard or even harder with the Chiefs when I get that plus six and a half. Instead of hedging for half, I probably hedge for the full thing and really try to set up a a true middle. But um, that middle was close to happening when the Niners uh, were up by three with third and five with the two-minute warning. But hey, the football season's over. The next thing we're going to talk about for the NFL is the NFL draft, which we love and we do so well in. We're actually going to have some NFL draft packages available as well, so stay tuned for that. But either way, it is college basketball and UFC season, so let's bring our wonderful guest, Mr. Brian Edwards from Vegas Insider. This segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day? Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash oddsbreakers or click on our podcast episode description. Now, I'm very excited to welcome back an exceptional handicapper and great friend of the show. You've heard him on many sports radio broadcasts and podcasts across the land. You can find his work at Vegas Insider and Major Wager. Really happy to bring back Mr. Brian Edwards from Major Wager and Vegas Insider. You can follow him at Twitter or X, what we like to call it these days, at Vegas B. Edwards. Brian, my man, we are knee-deep now in college basketball. You know what's funny? It's like after NFL left like a while ago... It'd be like early February. Hell, I remember back in the day when the Super Bowls were in January. But now it's like March Madness is around the corner. A couple weeks left, dude. What's happening? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Uh, Yeah, you know, I I wish they would push the college basketball schedule, you know, back. Because, I mean, I've been into it for a while. But a lot of times, you know, people don't really start getting into it until, you know, football's over. And then... You're just getting a good read on teams, and it's March Madness, and it's over. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> I know. I mean, like two months of the season, we're we're dealing with football simultaneously. Yeah, like push it back. Like I six know. Weeks. I know. You know what? It wouldn't hurt to do that. I mean, fuck their finals, right? <laughs> right. It, well, it don't even happen on May. You know, it's like they could push it back a couple weeks, in my opinion. Um, Sure. Extend the season. Maybe this conference realignment would extend the season, but they'll be like, oh, there's student athletes. You know, the the BS that we always hear, like they're really interested in that shit. But um, that's life in uh, sports betting now. The NFL keeps taking and taking and taking, and uh, it it filters into other sports. I mean, if you want to cry about it, the NBA's got more of a – a, a bag to pick with the NFL, probably with all them stealing Christmas. The freaking Grinch that stole Christmas is the NFL, right? To the NBA right. and a few other things. Uh, definitely a lot of other sports. But, hey, I've, I've been betting college basketball throughout the whole time. And uh, I'm excited to sure. talk to you about it, man, because you're a great SEC guy. And I got to tell you, once again, the SEC looking promising as hell. Uh, Auburn just put a 
a pimp slap is what you like to say on uh on, on on South Carolina. I actually lost that game. I, I I hit the under in the Iowa game last night, but lost that one. But uh man, I, I, there's just so much yet to play and so much to play out. But what I always like to do, Brian, is talk about some value. You know, sometimes we can find some value in the marketplace. A lot of people go by the Ken Palms and the market kind of gets set by them a little bit, in my opinion. I think I think they bring in a few other ideas like you know a good a good bookie is going to figure in injuries too but they let the market shuffle that until they raise limits anyway you know um I want to talk buy low sell high so let's go with buy low first I'll start if that's okay I got uh South Florida as a buy low team and they're 112th on Ken Palm this team plays amazing defense you know and when that shows up, you know, it shows up hard. And uh, no, they're number five on Ken Palm. It looks like a bunch of teams dropped after last night. So I wrote this down last night. But what I like about South Florida is here is that they do have FAU coming up. And I'm, I'm not sure if they win that game. Uh, but I, I would expect FAU to be a big uh, a big favorite. And, and they might cover that one. But even more in the next week, they're going to get SMU at home as a dog. I like that spot a lot um, next week, Sunday. And I think UTSA on the road, they will smoke UTSA. I mean, they have them as a an eight point favorite. UTSA is a terrible team that uh, is in the red in most of their categories. Their defense ranks three hundred and fifty eighth. So even like a a deficient offense like South Florida should be able to put the smack down. If it's too high against Florida Atlantic, I'll take them. But South Florida is one of mine. Uh, I have another one as well. Uh, Virginia, my man. Virginia at number 51 on Ken Palm. So I just, this coach is too good to be number 51 on Ken Palm. He had a young team to start out, right? He kind of got the boys rolling a little bit uh, out there. He has some senior leadership too, but mostly compared to Virginia teams of the past, young team. But now they're coming off that loss at home against Pittsburgh. They finally dropped one, and they're not the best shooting team, but they keep getting better. They had a hell of a run. Eight wins in a row. Now, the ACC, say what you want about them, but it's still tough to get eight wins in a row, and three, four of those games were away. I was really impressed how they beat Florida State. They're facing Wake Forest coming up at home. That might be the spot this Saturday, my man. little hint, hint, hint. Well, that's what I got. What do you have for some by-low teams? Well, I agree with everything uh, you said. I, I, I don't think that Virginia is only going to be a one-point home favorite to Wake on Saturday. I think they'll be three and a half or four but Ken Palm had them at minus one and yes I would love Virginia in that scenario I had Virginia at FSU last week laying that short number now I did have them in a money line parlay with San Diego State the other night when they uh that one did not turn out well but but Pitt's playing real well and Pitt went in there and Pitt's been good on the road uh, and back to your South Florida and I've got my own buy low stuff too but I just yeah um what a job Amir Abdur Rahim has done this year in season one. I mean, they've won 10 in a row, 8 0 and 2 against the spread. If you go all the way back to December 9th when they pimp slapped FSU, <laughs> South Florida 16 and 1 straight up, 13 1 and 3 against the spread. Uh, unfortunately for them, and, and I get it, it was a transition year, year one, you know. Um, you know, not playing a tough schedule. They don't have any quad one games because, I mean, they're 18 and five straight up overall. I was looking to see, like, are they like a, you know, fringe uh, dark horse 
team on the bubble. They're not, though. They got too many bad losses. I mean, they lost to Maine and Hofstra and Central Michigan. But, you know, uh, for our purposes, ATS is all we care about. They're 15-5-3 against the spread. So, yeah, South Florida has been dynamite uh, this season. Um, I'll go the future route in terms of buying low. And I got uh, Creighton at 60-1 to last week. I believe that was right when they're coming off the one-point home loss to Butler. Um, now they're down to forty-five to one this week at FanDuel, fifty to one at DraftKings. But I, I still think Creighton's worth a shot at forty-five to one or fifty to one. I mean, Elite Eight team last year uh, got beat by a free throw there with four or five seconds left. Um, I, you know, I thought they were in control of that game against San Diego State down the stretch. They, their veteran squad, good coach. Um, well, there's a foul now, at the end of that game. I mean, that was very questionable. You're like, you seriously going to give San Diego State the game on that? And, and that's really what yeah. it was. It was a, it was a bad yeah. call, and San Diego State got two yep. free throws, hit them, and the game was over. It was a last-second situation. I'm like, it, it was, I mean, it was yep. bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a heartbreak hotel. And I remember McDermott had a good post-game speech that kind of made its rounds around, you know, Twitter and whatnot, and, um, now I know they lost Nimhart to Gonzaga, but it's it's a lot of the same people, and I'll be shocked if if Creighton's not back in the Sweet 16, and, and when they get that far, they'll they will have a good uh, chance at this. Um, another uh, team that uh, I mean, FAU sitting there at 75 to one. I mean, I know they're not covering many numbers, but they're you know they're laying big numbers in this conference they're in. I mean, you saw what they did to Arizona. Um, had a great game with Illinois, um, beat A&M, beat Butler, beat Virginia Tech on neutral courts. I mean, this is the same team that got beat at the buzzer in the Final Four last year. Um, I think FAU's ready for another deep push, you know, 75-1. to 1. Just get us a sweet 16. We'll turn that thing into a nice profit. Let me ask um, you this. Yeah. If they don't win the uh Atlanta the American Athletic Conference are they in because of that Arizona win and I guess you can throw in Butler and the Texas A&M wins are they in anyway because I see five losses here and usually these teams end up on bubbles before the season I mean they can't really beat anybody good I guess if you're going to call SMU good but I mean don't get me wrong the AAC is a good conference it's it's not one of those bad conferences but you wonder what the committee is going to say to them I think they bring them in because of last year personally oh I think they're very comfortably in I mean Lunardi and his last bracketology which was Tuesday morning uh he had him as a sixth seed I feel like uh and here's a good follow for um your listeners on twitter uh it's at made for march uh i just discovered him last year and oh, man he's really good uh and i believe if i'm not mistaken he had fau as a five seed he usually puts out an updated one like twice a week uh i think he had him as a five seed as recent as last week if i'm not mistaken so yeah no i i think they're comfortably uh, in, I mean, you're right about a couple of bad losses. Haslametrics has a 12 uh, seed right now. Has them as a 12. Really? Yeah. Has Seriously? A, his yeah his his stuff is really good over there. It's just, but it's not like it doesn't mean he misses. I mean, it's just it's it's getting close. You know, I would well, say. Well, the net 
The net has them at 27 right now, Ken Palm 29. I think they're comfortably in, and I, I think they're ready for another deep push. What's look, it take I, for the net top 36? Because because uh, I think after that, it's all conference sounds winners. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right, so that's, yeah, comf- yeah. That's, that's pretty comfortable. They just can't afford another loss or two, let's say. Yeah, because, I mean, they have, like, potential bad losses, um, like Temple at home. Um, Florida, Florida tonight. Gulf Coast. Are we recording? Th- are we recording today or tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> it's live, so we are recording, right? That's right, my man. I, I mean, I'm asking, like, can I say Thursday? Anyway, go ahead. No, I mean you're right. It, it's it, FAU is probably some good value there because look, look who they beat. I mean, Arizona is a beast of a team, and it was a neutral court. It shows that they have the gumption to do it. You know, I mean, any bet over fifty to one on yeah. a team that shows that they can compete with the big boys is not a bad one, in my opinion. You know, I, I, I think you're good there at 75 to one. I agree with that. So, uh, yeah, for, that does tie into your uh, buy low ones for sure. Um, and I'll throw out one more. Um, just because they've lost back-to-back games, um, Boise State. Uh, I believe they've got here. I'm getting to their page here. They've got some good games uh, coming up that just going off the Ken Palm. Uh, I think they're going to be in good, good spots. I mean, they got run out of Logan against Utah State. Um, what was that this past Saturday night? Um, well, they but, had two tough away uh, games. Colorado State and Utah State are not right. easy. Right. And that's why I'm saying buy low because they're off those back to back. Even they've lost three of. Uh, five going back to the Utah State game at home, which they never should have lost. But um, and, and I'm not saying Lee in these big numbers against these upcoming teams, but I I see uh, well, it's not till March second, but um, uh, their list is a home dog to New Mexico. Well, they already won at the pit. Um, I would like them there. Their list is a two point home favorite. Again, this is Ken Palm. It could be off a couple points, but a two point home favorite to Nevada. Oh my God, I would love Boise uh, in that spot. So, um. And, and I think Boise, I mean, we saw San Diego State make a run. But other than that, it's Mountain West has been so pathetic in the tournament the last decade. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think Boise State, uh, I think they can win a game or two this year. So it was unfortunate for that bet that everybody likes. Mountain West, I think it's under, oh, God, what was it under six and a half, no, wait, four and a half wins in the tournament or something. And, like, every team lost – their first game, Samuel <laughs> State goes to the freaking end and he wins five games. It's just them by themselves yeah. took that bet off, yeah, man. But that's what a popular. And I know one. that was a popular pick taking the under on the Mountain West because it's been hitting every single year. With last year being a bad beat exception. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, so buy low and on Florida Atlantic's future there. I like it. And uh, Boise State, they could be very sneaky here. Uh, they're definitely a bubble team, too, that has a shot. I think this Mountain West Conference, I, I almost look at them as like a Power 5 conference type now. Power 7 until pac 12 is gone, then we're down to Power 6, right? So um, I look at them as one of the serious conferences that you have to. Uh, the other ones that are considerable is the Atlantic 10 and the American Athletic Conference probably. Um, but that's really about it. Um, that I mean, when it comes to college basketball. Let's go to sell high. All right, so I'll start with Houston. And I'm not saying that they're not necessarily a, a top team. I don't think they're one. I got UConn number one. I just think that their field goal percentage is just not there. And that's dangerous. I don't care how good your defense is in tournaments. 
or when you face a hot team, if you can't catch up, you're going to be in some trouble because if 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 you're getting those hoity-toity whistles that happens all the time in college basketball, your defense is going to have to take a break. And the other team, if they're hitting some threes, just you have to play catch up. And they're you're 232nd in effective field goal percent, you know, and that's on Ken Palm. You're of course number one on defense. Don't get me wrong. Great rebounding team on offense, uh, great defensive team, but there's just spots where you can be in a lot of trouble if you're Houston. So they need to clean that up a little bit. I, I know their offense efficiency is so high because they don't turn the ball over and they rebound the ball so well. But if you face a tall team that can rebound, that can shoot, you're in trouble. And uh, your free throw percentage, yeah, ranking 305th in the nation. That's not a good sign either. So Houston is sell, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, Houston sell high. And my other one's BYU. Now, ah, you took the words out of my mouth. Uh, but here, I mean, was it like a month and a half ago? BYU is a buy low team, but now you got to sell high on this team a little bit. They they show a little bit of fraud when they're away from home. I mean, they're going to be laying what eight nine points probably against Oklahoma State uh, this weekend. That's one that you might want to key in on. Oklahoma State's a really tough bet. They choke it away at the end, but man, how many points is it going to take here? Uh, BYU. They have the skill. They, I mean, Mark Pope's doing a great job, but they don't get to the free throw line. They only rank 354th in getting to the free throw line. I don't love that about them. And their schedule has just been, you know, uh, when they hit the Big 12, it, reality hit them a little bit in the face. You know, they lost at home to Cincinnati by 10, 11 points. They lost by to Houston by seven. Um, they lost some away games to Texas Tech, Baylor, and Oklahoma, for God's sake, that was a nasty loss to Oklahoma too. So wait till they kind of have to go to Kansas, go to Kansas State coming up here, go to Iowa State, dude. I wish the number was better on Ohio Iowa State because I missed it, and it's only twenty to one for Iowa State. I think you'll get that by the time the tournament starts. But Jesus Christ, if if I had another future to play, I'd probably play Iowa State. But I will sell high on BYU, my man. Yeah, no, I, uh, BYU was my my main team that I was wanting to uh, great, sell high. Great minds, you, you, my man. Great minds. I should have let you go first. Like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you nailed it with uh, how they're just not that good when they leave home, and which takes me back to 2011 in New Orleans when we played Jimmer's last game, and the Gators played them in the Sweet 16. I mean, I mean they had like 12,000 fans in New Orleans, um, and so I know they pack it uh, when they're at home, but. You mentioned some of the games they've lost on the road, and I know these Ken Palm numbers are way off, but, I mean, they've got BYU as a four-point road favorite at K-State at the Octagon of Doom on the 24th of February. I would love K-State if it's it's something near that. And has them uh, only a one-point underdog at Kansas on February 27th? Get out of here. I would lay – That's not going to happen. <laughs> four, four – it's not going to happen at all. I think it's, it's, it's going to be minus gonna, five or six. I, I, I guarantee it's going to be. A lot of people don't know this, but home court advantage is way more than three points, especially in the fog. It's six points. And I told people that yeah. when Kansas played Houston because Ken Palm had Houston a six-point favorite, and then it closed at, like, Kansas minus two or three. You know, it's like, seriously, it is a massive home field advantage. I think it, that goes for a lot of teams. And – 
I, I think I think standard home field has really moved to five according to the market, not according to Ken Palm. Ken Palm's using three and stuff according to the market. Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I would – and, look, I'm not trying to, like, pick on BYU. They've had a great year. Mark Pope should be up there for, you know, one of the leading candidates for national um, coach of the year along with Lamont Paris and, and – Abdul Rahim at USF won't get any uh, national love. And let's say pull a couple upsets against bigger teams coming up. But um, uh, Pope's done a great job. But I, I just think that they're getting way too much respect from the uh, market uh, right now. Um, not necessarily as much still, but St. John's has been getting a little too much respect from the market, in, in my opinion, um, here for a while now. Uh, so anyway, uh, that, those were a couple of teams that I, I was thinking of. St. John's was up by double digits against uh, Marquette and lost by 11 points. My, I had them plus seven and a half at Marquette. Marquette's burned me twice, and I, I have to stay away from Marquette games. Don't don't let me touch a Marquette game, Brian. Like, like, hit the buzzer if you see that. Stay awake, yes. Stay away. I'm like, awesome. So, so you have any more futures to talk about? I'm not against Clemson at 100 to one. Dang, that's a good number. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Gerard um, can shoot it. Matt, Miami had like a four point lead with like four and a half, five minutes left, and what they end up losing by by like almost twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they finished the Wednesday night's game on like a twenty-two to four run or something wild like that. Um, yeah, I like Clemson's team, man. And you know, they play good D. And they've got more scores than normal. Gerard was such a huge get. PJ Hall coming back was was big. I mean, I don't think they're going to make the Final Four, but if you got a hundred to one ticket and they get the Sweet Sixteen, uh, you can start hedging. You take their opponents' odds to win the region, odds to win it all, or just take their opponent. I, you know, I don't know if they would be favored. But we'd have to see the matchups right. come then. But uh, you get to the Sweet Sixteen with a hundred to one number, you're in business. And I think Clemson's. Look has the look of a sweet sixteen to me, and I, I also got a hundred to one on South Carolina uh, about two weeks ago. Now, obviously, they got humbled Wednesday night at Auburn, but Auburn's been kicking the teeth out of everybody that comes there. And I know we'll talk more about that in a little while. Yeah, but yeah, yep, yep. We're that we got a little hodgepodge action going on here when we uh, when we get into that. So, no, I like those futures here. Um, I already have a few. I have Michigan State at sixty-one, Wisconsin at fifty-five to one. I've I have uh, UConn at ten to one. I, could, I of course took them late, but I mean seriously, UConn. I mean I think they're they're at six to one now. You know, I, I just think that UConn. I, I think this is a ticket that I can just not even worry about until the final four, and probably not even hedge that right. until later. You know, I mean that's that. There's no reason to it. I might not hedge it at all if I if they're playing like they did last year. But you know, um, I could see. Uh, I, I did take Grand Canyon as my this year's FAU team to make the Final Four at 100 to 1. So I think Grand Canyon might be in at as, as an at large. And they have two losses South Carolina and the ugly one at Seattle. But I mean, when you have 22 wins and you one of your wins is San Diego State. And San Francisco, I, I, they they could get an, have an argument of just having that good of a schedule 
um, or just that many wins in their schedule. Now, they have to run the table but, and probably go all the way to the end in their tournament. But either way, I expect yeah. them to win their tournament at the WAC. And uh, I think they're kind of sneaky. I think their offense is pretty good. Um, they get to the free throw line all the time. They're, they're number 27th in offensive rebounding now. It's it's just it's just a an idea out there. I think McNeese State's another sneaky one too. If you want to get sneaky, but uh, <laughs> Ooh, I like that guy that they have that can dunk, who can yeah, jump yeah, and dude. dunk. I'll jump! I'm forgetting his name, but he can play. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember his name either. I see highlights of him all the time. But Will Wade, right, making the comeback now. He's now mm-hmm. got he got he got a raise to seven hundred grand a year from McNeese taxpayers there. <laughs> seven <laughs> or whatever boosters are there. I don't know who that is, but I mean the man the man got a raise there, and um, uh, maybe it's is it is it Shahada Wells the the small guard that jumps out of the. Uh, maybe it's him. I can't remember. I'll have to... No, no. Here, I'm gonna go to the roster. I'll tell you who it is. Okay. I've seen a few of those highlights, but maybe. Oh, uh, I think it's Shoemate. Okay, Christian, Christian Shoemate. Okay. Yep. Okay, maybe it's I him. I believe it's him. Well, hopefully, we get to watch some more McNeese State games because uh, it's just fun to say the bees knees McNeese. You know, it's great. Rolls right off the tongue, Brian. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's get yes, some games, indeed. dude. Uh, we got some big games this weekend. Huge weekend of college basketball, and I like some of the rivalries kind of coming up here. And I'll I'll get started with Arizona State versus Arizona. Now, Ken Palm says this is twenty point spread. I say 18. I hope it's 18 or more. And that gives you the hint of where I'm going. Now, this is a better rivalry than people think. You know, last year, ASU lost to Arizona at home by nine early in the season. But they went to Tucson later. And this is when Arizona was like the number two team in the nation. They went to Tucson and freaking beat them. <laughs> just, just beat them last year. You know, it, this is a serious rivalry. And these kids care about it, you know. Um, I, I think this spread is going to be too much. Now there's no metric that really favors them that much. Get me right. And this is why the spreads going to be 18 to 20, man. Um, Arizona's got most of the matchup advantages here, but I think they can hang on that defense a little bit. That ranks 40th, uh, 48th in efficiency. They have a decent defense there. And if you look, they're kind of heating up a little bit. The trend line's kind of going up on this team slightly, they won their last two games. One was a very tough environment at Utah. You go to win at Utah, that's that says something. And then they slapped Oregon State at home. And uh, not saying Oregon State's good. They're the worst team in the Pac-12. But when you, when you beat them by 15, 16, 17 points, you know, it almost says that you kind of almost belong with the rest of them. I just think that 18 to 20 points in a rivalry game is too much. I'm taking Arizona State. And they play fast. If they can hit some shots... They can put Arizona in a little bit of trouble. I, I You have a lot of points to cover this. Sprinkle that money line a little bit. Maybe you'll get that that 20-to-1 goodness that could possibly happen. But I'm liking this one, my man. Well, Arizona State got hot this time last year and, and saved Hurley's job. They better get hot again if they want to, see, <laughs> if they want to keep him again. So um, I think Hurley's going to be a goner if they don't get going. But they did get going uh, late last season. In fact, I, I had them a few times late last year. Well, they I won the play-in game there. against Nevada last year. They won the play-in game, and then they, of course, lost to TCU by only two points. But, you know, they they, uh, they won two games in their Pac-12 tournament, then lost to Arizona. But 
you know, yeah, Hurley, Hurley's on the hot seat no matter what. And if these guys have any dignity, they're going to put one up for the coach and obviously for this rivalry. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm not going to say anything, um, to the contrary of what, uh, of what you said. Um, yeah, it it would be the, uh, big underdog in the rivalry game or pass. Let's go to your game, my man. Let's start right in the, right with the Gators, you know, right with your team, your alma mater here. Now I'm going to say this spread is going to be Georgia plus two and a half. Okay. At home against Florida. Is that fair? Am I off? You think it's three? Do you think it's one? I, I wrote down uh, four and a half. I saw Ken Palm had three. So, no, I think your number's fair. Uh, if it is four or fewer, then I will be on uh, the Gators, who rarely lose at Steeman. Uh, they have had a ton of success there. So, they've won nine in a row uh, in the rivalry, but the last – Georgia win was in Gainesville in 2019 so I'd have to go back and look it up and I haven't done that I apologize but uh I don't remember the last time Florida lost in Athens it's been a long time and um now they had a 21 point lead to Georgia uh early in the second half on January 27th and Georgia came all the way back and forced overtime um worked for me though because my Gators ended up winning sloppily but they did end up winning and I had uh, Georgia plus uh, like seven and a half or eight pregame. And then I had added them some a couple of in-game bets at uh, plus 11 and a half, plus 15 and a half. So it, it worked perfect for me. If Florida is four or fewer, um, I will be on them. And they are just playing really well now. I mean, they're not finishing games the way they should. You know, again, kind of like the Georgia game in late January. Had a 20-point lead a few nights ago. LSU comes back, ties the game. Florida, uh, Jordan Wright had like a little eight-footer uncontested to force overtime at the buzzer and missed it. Uh, but look, Florida should be on a seven-game winning streak. They're six and one straight up, five and two against the spread the last seven. But the only loss was at A&M uh, two Saturdays ago, and Florida led nearly the entire game led by like five with like a two minutes left or a minute and a half left and ended up losing 67-66. So that's on them. They're not finishing games uh, the way they should. Shot selection is kind of an issue. They struggle to get stops. But, man, uh, Zion Pullen is one of the best guards in the country and probably one of the best-kept secrets in the nation. And Walter Clayton Jr. is playing terrific uh, right now. And um, Florida, I don't know what the stats say on their offensive rebounding, but I can tell you without looking at any stats, they're one of the best teams in the number, country. In number two. Offensive boards. Number two, baby. Number two, yeah. And how and Condon, the two freshman bigs, they're just getting better every game. And I love them because they know how to play. They play smart. And they're not a they're, those guys aren't a, one of them's an Aussie guy, used to play Australian rules football, and he loves getting physical. And he's not like that thick, but he loves banging in there. And uh, and then obviously Tyree Samuel is a beast and um, and and handlocked and is you know just so big and tall. So yeah, and Georgia by the way is you know had a um, had a good run there. It's having a you know pretty good season. They had won ten in a row, but now they've lost. Let's see, one, two, three, four. They've lost five in a row, and 
two and seven in their last nine. Now they've they've covered some of those games they've lost, but um, anyhow, Florida's four or fewer, and hopefully it'll be two and a half or three. Uh, where you had it and Ken Palm at three, uh, I would love the Gators at four or fewer. Yeah, I, the Georgia is a choke job. That's what they do. They they they're, they're ahead for three quarters of the game, and then they just give the they give the game oh, away. You the had them against Alabama, didn't you? Yes, I did. I, I well, I had the I had I had them against Tennessee too in the money line. But oh, they're up eleven with seven minutes left. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank God I covered that still because it was. I think I had seven and a half. They lost by six. One more freaking yes. buck, and and, and there's a bunch yes. of misses and fall city. They just can't hit. Shot. And and I expect them to do the same thing. Now the problem is they went to Florida and almost won. It went to overtime, lost by three, four points. Right. So you. Yep. So that's why I think the spread stays under three for you. I think that they're going to look at that. I think the market's going to look at it, and I think that's going to give you a number. So my thoughts on Georgia is I'm never betting them for a full freaking game again until I can see them finish a game. But I would consider them in the first half, and maybe you do this. Maybe you get super cute, and this could go go completely bad on you. But instead of your, your two-unit bet, you put a unit on Georgia in the first half, put a unit on Florida in the second, um, for the full game, pre-flop, and uh, just watch. You know, I mean, I mean you're going to get – Georgia's a dog, any plus money. It, it, lots of time, halftime scores are, are tied in basketball. Um, so you're going to possibly hit both bets. Maybe you go a little higher on Florida in case you're not sure. But that's the only way I would bet this. But if it's a two, two and a half, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think I would be with you on Florida there. So I agree with you. I, Florida, it, I mean, offensive rebounding like that, Florida is going to compete with a lot of teams down the stretch, and I can't wait to see them against Bama coming up because they already went through their gauntlet and hell, nice. beating Auburn like that was freaking awesome. You know, they. I agree with you. I think Florida could be a very dangerous tournament team, and they're in now. So I'm excited for. Uh, yeah, we got. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, well, go ahead. We got Alabama actually. We got Alabama actually coming up twice. Yeah, we got them in Gainesville and, and in T Town. And uh, now Florida's got to get better defensively if they want to make any noise in the Big Boy tournament. But um, yeah, playing well, uh, playing well right now. And, and um, yeah, uh, I'm excited about it. All my teams suck except for this one's getting getting pretty good. I feel you there, man. <laughs> well. So- Speaking about what we said about sell high, I think this is a little hint here. Houston is going to be playing Texas, and Houston's going to host Texas, and Houston's going to be about an eight-point favorite. Uh, nine is what Ken Palm says. I don't think it's nine. Yeah, maybe you'll get your nine if you're going to want to wait to bet it. Um, I, I, I'm going to write eight. I uh, hope it's not seven. Uh, total, you know, probably 133-ish. Houston's defense is the best in the league. But this kind of just goes about what I'd said for a sell-high team. Um, it looks like a normal game on paper, Brian. But, I mean, the truth is this is kind of for the integrity of Texas, I think. you know, um, I know Texas Tech's there, so I'm not forgetting about you, Texas Tech. But, you know, Houston survived at Texas in overtime. You know, that was overtime game. And they won 76-72 to 72 on January 29th. And, uh, God, I, I think that Texas was only like a three-point dog i think you you get a bad beat on that one probably too if you bet texas um 
and that was uh, I was I was just gonna say I'm, uh, covers it's it was four and a half that game. Oh well, maybe but it closed. It, it could well, it, but it could have been you know all over the place in different books. So. For sure. Well, either way, it's a nail biter. I'm uh, I'm not gonna say like that. Houston obviously doesn't have the best defense. I think they do, but like I said, ranking 144th in field goal percentage, they better hope Texas is cold because Texas ranks 25th in effective field goal percentage. That means they're hitting their threes. And they're 18th in offensive efficiency. If they get hot, they're going to put the Cougars once again in a very tough spot. Um, they have talent there. DC is a beast. They have a lot of they have they have good ball pressure, just like Houston does. Houston's got great ball pressure, but I think they're going to defend well. And I think the total's probably right. But one advantage that Texas has, and you can see it on Haslam metrics, is near proximity scoring. The Longhorns rank 10th in adjusted scoring by the rim. And Houston ranks 99th in defending it. So Houston's not super strong in defending the low post or possibly people taking it to the hole. And Texas just knows a few things here. They need this win to move up. Um, Texas has kind of been underachievers this year. They're 25th on Ken Palm. They're 16-8. and eight. They've had a rough Big 12 schedule. And uh, they still have some decent wins away at TCU. Uh, Oklahoma away, Baylor at home. That was a close game. But this is going to be too big of a spread for a Big 12 game in the heat of the conference season here where they're trying to void move for positions, right? They're trying to they're trying to get the position. It's, it's a Texas rivalry. I, I'm taking Texas if it's eight. The only time I wouldn't take Texas if it gets below seven probably because I could see Fall City happening. But here's the thing. If Fall City happens... Houston still, like I said, ranks only 60, uh, 350 and 68% and free throw percentage. So you're in pretty good shape here. If you're down six, down five, and it's foul city time, Houston might miss those one and ones and give the Texas an extra possession on a couple of those fouls. So I'm on Texas, my man. I hear you, man. Um, I don't want to go against Houston at home, especially if they're single digits. I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to like uh, Houston in the game. That's probably a game my uh will throw out with not a lot of interest yeah and houston has been an absolute beast at home they haven't had a close game at home yeah so that's a dangerous thing but you do look at their schedule it's it was very weak in the non-conference and they still haven't faced kansas at home yet or iowa state at home yeah they, they, they haven't they got a tough run of games coming up they they do they they have iowa state on deck after texas so and and Granted, it's at home, but they lost to Iowa State. This could be something they're thinking about a little bit more. They already beat Texas. Could be a slightly flat spot for them. So um, I'm not excited about laying single digits or, or, or taking single digits. Don't get me wrong. I'm not excited about it. But Texas, it's for the marbles, in my opinion, for them. So um, yeah, that, that's my. I, I'm not. A, I'm not against. I'm not against going against Houston. Uh, I would just rather do it when they're. At oh, Baylor oh, or at or you know on the road, I don't. I just I just don't want to mess with them um, at, in their house. Yeah, hence that home court advantage, my man. Well, that makes sense. I I, I feel you on that one. I'm I'm trying to this year, and these dogs get tempting. Trust me, I limit my away a little bit more. I'm going to pick my spots better. I'm not going to get away from it because there's value, but. Um, I'm going to pick my spots a little bit better uh, away because that's where I've been uh, losing a little bit. 
especially with South Carolina yesterday. Uh, let's move on to the next game. Uh, Nevada versus UNLV. And you picked this one, man. Go into the Mountain West. Look at you. Plus one. Total is 140. Brian, do you have something special on this one? Yeah, man. Uh, I, I like how UNLV is playing. And, I, and I've been keeping a, a close eye on this team since they, um, since they won outright uh, at Boise. Now, they're... <laughs> They uh, they're a little schizophrenic. <laughs> I mean, they lost by thirty-two at home to Air Force yeah. uh, <laughs> as a ten and a half point favorite. So, uh, but they've had their act together uh, since then. They have won five in a row. Um, now uh, four and one ATS in that uh, stretch. They go to the the pit and went outright, uh, which I believe only Boise State uh, has done that. Uh, this year, they only lost by three at Colorado State. If I'm remembering right, they had the lead pretty late in that game. I think CSU had a, had a rally there uh, late. They won at Boise, like I, I mentioned. Um, only lost by one to Utah State. Uh, they've actually already swept uh, Richard Patino's uh, Lobos. And, um, you know, they got off to a terrible start uh, to the season, but really right of the ship when they beat Creighton. Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't at Thomas and Mac, but it was in the Vegas area. Beat, beat Creighton by 15 as a 13-and-a-half point dog. Then nearly won against St. Mary's, lost by two in overtime. So, you know, after a rough start, Kevin Kruger's team uh, is playing really well. And, you know, against Nevada, Nevada I should say, in this spot, uh, and I'm trying to get to Kim Palm here to see what. Uh, so Nevada uh, is going to be a one point favorite per Kim Palm. Uh, I, I tend to think UNLV will be a short favorite. And uh, I would probably like UNLV um, perhaps as much as minus three. Uh, but anything, you know, uh, uh, minus two or, or fewer or, or a short home dog, uh, I would like UNLV. Uh, in that spot against the Wolfpack. You know, what's interesting is that, you know, both of these teams are extremely inconsistent. You know, you look at the consistency rating, they're kind of all over the board for Nevada and UNLV. They're, just like you mentioned that Air Force game, it's kind of all over the place, my man. One thing that you know. How's, how's, how's that happen? I don't, dude. I mean, teams get hot. You know, a lot of people, including myself, took a shot at DePaul just for a little bit of money and got her ass kicked against UConn. It was like it was a terrible spot for UConn, but it didn't matter. You know, it's just um, uh, you try to pick your spots and pick them wisely. But um, the UNLV, I kind of like to back them at home for sure. I think that this the rebounding, their second chance percentage points ranks six in the nation. You know, I think that's important when you look at UNLV. You know, I, I try to use multiple sites when I handicap gains and look for edges. But, uh, you know, it, 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 at home, yeah, uh, you know, the shots are not going down for uh, Nevada. You know, Nevada's got a few deficiencies themselves. They're not a perfect team. Their offensive rebound only ranks 237th. Their, de their defensive rebounding isn't the greatest. They play a little bit slow. Their effective field goals are only in the 100s. They could certainly lose this lose this game. Yeah, you know, um, they're coming off a tough loss, too. It's like a kind of a yeah. heartbreaker. You know, when, when you're coming off a yeah, heartbreaker and then you have to hit the road, 
you know, you, you question yourself a little bit. So UNLV, maybe even like a, a first half bet on UNLV might not be the worst idea either. You know, UNLV, I do like how they uh, are a pretty efficient team on offense here. So, um, yeah, they ripped off a lot of a lot of good wins in a row. So there it is. Um, spread's got to be uh, b- below two. I would take a. I would look personally more the money line for myself. So. Well, yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm fine with the money line. You know, as long as it's worth it. Like, in other words, like the Chiefs and not not to get on another sport, but the Chiefs Niners. Like, people were asking me last week, "Are you gonna money line it?" And I'm like, I mean, is it really worth it if they lose by one or two to get plus one fifteen? Um, yeah, exactly. So, in other yeah, words, yeah, yeah. if it's like you know, if I can get plus 130 or so, sure. But uh, I would rather bet them, you know, getting two and a half or, or well, I mean, we don't know what what their line's going to be. But um, uh, I, just to make sure, I would not want to lose the bet because I went money line and, like, let's say the Niners would have beat the Chiefs by one. And then also last week with Super Bowl is you could have just gone Mahomes to win MVP and got a better return than um, – it was, plus, you know, it was plus like plus, yeah, it was like plus one twenty, one twenty five for Mahomes MVP is a little bit better. I remember seeing that. Just depends. Where yeah, there were some one thirty fives, one forty okay. out there at a few spots. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Last year, UNLV beat Nevada sixty eight, sixty two at home. You know, so I think UNLV is a better team than they were last year. So think about that. I, I like the the recent matchups too because. These teams, yeah, they've won four in a row over them. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go, four in a row. I mean, that's great. That's a great number. Um, yeah. So that's yeah, something to consider. Uh, straight gonna, up and ATS. I'm going to write this one down. I'm going to write this one down. UNLV for Saturday. Check that out when it comes out, my friend. Let's move on to the next game. And uh, I have Duke versus the Semis. Your favorite team to hate, my man. <laughs> the Semis should be about four and a half. Point dog is that fair? Four and a half. Yeah, that's, that, that sounds about right. Now, I I the, I will make a rare exception to root for the semis as long as it's basketball and they're playing <laughs> Duke. Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not opposed to rooting for the semis against Duke. Now, now not as much now that Coach K is gone, but I don't like Shire at all either. He's a punk. Anything Duke. He's not a big of a punk as Coach K, but he's a punk. I don't need to say how, why I hate Duke so much. I've said it so many freaking times. It's probably driving listeners nuts. But, you know, I, I, I'm i not a Duke fan, but I do bet on him sometimes. Um, but not today. Uh, smelly home dog. Duke played well against some of the bad ACC teams. But, I mean, they're, they're it's not like they're a great road team. You saw what happened at North Carolina. Uh, they just couldn't get it back into that game. They had plenty of opportunity to get back into that game. They didn't. Uh, Florida State's got advantages in certain uh, areas: uh, shooting mid-range, uh, shooting near proximity. You know, I'm going to try to find this game where I pulled it up on. Uh, here it is. I'll share my screen on Haslametrics. You can see there's some green here for Florida State mid-range, uh, near proximity, uh, fast break points. That's PPST potential quick points off breakaway steals. They have an advantage. And uh, second chance uh, per points. 51st and Duke at defending second chance points are, is 201st. Now, Duke's got that advantage too, but Florida State's got a little bit better of an advantage with some of those tall guys. You know, I mean, coach-wise, I, I, I mean, I go with the experience more, you know. I like, uh, I personally like 
Florida State side better. Uh, Shireman, you can say, has has a lot of big shoes to fill, you know, uh, for Shire. I said Shireman, I meant Shire. But when it comes to Hamilton, Hamilton's been there, done that. And he knows that this is time to turn this team around. Uh, this is it. They need this win if they want to get in the NCAA tournament. They do. They need this win. This team is 13-11, and 11, right? They're not even on the bubble yet because, what, they have a Wake Forest as their best win. I guess Colorado on a neutral, but they're, they're not on the bubble yet. They need Duke. They beat Duke at home. They get sent to the bubble, and uh, that would tr- project them to possibly make the tournament. You know, I, I think that Florida State could be a very dangerous team if they just get their shooting together. They're a young team. Um, yeah, I, I'll take four and a half. What about you? Um, not, a, I'm not against it. Um, I, uh, I probably would have to be getting six ish to back FSU. Now I'm not saying I'm not interested in Duke at all. And I want FSU to win. Like I said, cause I hate Duke and, and FSU's, uh, you know, they can help the Gators resume by, by, by winning a little bit down. And look, they, I mean, they've got three quad one opportunities here. Uh, coming up, starting with Duke and, and then at Clemson and at Pitt, they probably got to sweep all those to get into the, like, really get into the bubble uh, convo. But, um, yeah, no, I, I would probably need to get six. But if if, if FSU, FSU's getting six or more, yeah, I could be interested. I mean, they've, they're, they've lost four or five, but they're losing close games. Um now they obviously should not have never lost at Louisville, but um, that North Carolina game uh, was close. The Virginia game was close. Uh, lose by eight at Vatech um, the other night. So it's not like they're you know getting run off the floor or anything. And they had a good stretch there. You know they beat Vatech and Wake at home, one at Miami, um, and uh, got a pretty good neutral court win over Colorado. Uh, from earlier in the year. Oh, and they beat my boys from UNLV earlier in the year as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gets them to the bubble, but not into the yet. Yeah, I agree with that. And so they do right. have to win a few more games to get past the bubble. Now, what I will say is that, uh, you know, Duke, all solid, but they've had some bad drops. I mean, Pittsburgh, sure. they lost that ugly one at home. If you look early in the season, Arkansas and Georgia Tech, very ugly losses. You know, the funny thing about Duke they is could have lost, they could have lost at home to Wake the other night. Wake did not shoot the ball like they normally do. Yeah, yeah. Wake looked terrible that, that game. They, they looked yeah, absolutely terrible. Yeah, Wake couldn't buy a basket all night. Absolutely. Was it, isn't that one of your sell-high uh, sell teams? I think I skipped you on that. Wasn't Wake one of your sell-high teams? I thought so. Yeah, but we, we, we kind of incorporated it into our Virginia conversation because, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, because they were playing each other on Saturday. But... Um, Yes, I, I was thinking Wake sell high, um, and, and th- that's another team that Florida has played this year. So that's a team I actually am, am rooting for, unless I'm betting against them, <laughs> just for help my Gators resume. For sure, and you got to look at that, you know, for your fandom, uh, definitely. But no, this is this is just the spot Florida State has to put up or shut up, right? Uh, it's the spot they need to. Make it close. Ken Palm's got this as a six-point spread. I would freaking love it if this is a six-point spread. You know, I don't think it's going to be a six-point spread, but I certainly, you know, wouldn't mind it being a six-point spread. Um, there's a point I was going to make. I kind of forgot what it was. Oh, the over. Um, 
Yeah, dude, I think I might like the over even more, especially if you're getting like three points only or something, three and a half. Then I'm going to look to the over here. If you look, Duke plays very fast. Now, they're playing some good enough defense where other teams play slow against them, but I think that's going to compound a little bit when another team that plays very fast, like Florida State ranking 41st in average possession length, 31st in tempo itself, plays this team. I, I, I see points this game. Um, look at how many times Florida State gets to the free throw line. They rank 59th. That they, they get to the line. You got to like that. Uh, Duke always shoots free throws, it seems. Um, oh, I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why, baby. Uh, <laughs> I I think this to- if this total is 150 and, and I'm only getting a four or three and a half, I might just choose the over instead. So can we? I, I think we're going to pivot and say – Let's get let's make it four and a half or better, or take the over, or do both. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think if Duke covers this, then it goes over. You know, I think that's the way. It goes. How about that? How about the way? How, how about how Clemson got hosed uh, at Cameron a couple weeks back? Yeah, oh, dude, I, that, that that was. I mean, like seriously, ser- and then Shire after the game, like uh, like acting like people are insane to like that they shouldn't have gotten that call I'm like, come on dude man. dude dude it, 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 it's that they're dude that, that foul they're that foul they was happening it. all game and you weren't calling it and then you call right. it just to fix the game at the end that i i hate that more than anybody else but the problem is you start arguing on twitter about this stuff. Someone brings up some camera shot of like the sec- first half with three minutes left where there could have been a foul. And then the next person does it on the other side. Then the next freaking, but it's just like, nobody's getting anywhere. You know, it's just that. Oh, yeah. and now that I, now that I think about this, did, did, didn't you reply to my remarks on Twitter about that call? Maybe that day, I feel like you might have. I might have. I might have. Oh, if if if, if it was if it, right. if it was Duke, if you mentioned Duke, it probably shoots to the top of my news feed. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's finish this. Well, we have a few hodgepodge, but you got Creighton versus Butler here, and Butler is plus one total. I have at about one forty nine. So I think you mentioned Creighton earlier in the season. Is this a hint to what side you're leaning towards in this game? Yeah, man, I would I would probably lay up to three. And I know Butler's playing good ball right now. I would probably lay up to three uh, with Creighton. Big revenge spot as Butler goes into Omaha and gets a 99 uh, to 98 win on uh, February 2nd. And if 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 the total's 149, uh, I'm going to lean to the over as well uh, as the over is on a 6-1 and one run uh, for the Blue Jays. Um, but yeah, like I was, you know, just talking about earlier, uh, in the show when I was saying, I, I think, I think Creighton's worth a, a shot at, at 45 or 50 to one, uh, future ticket. I think his team's ready to get hot. Um, you know, I mean, obviously they lost a very, I mean, that was a thriller against Providence. That was, that might've been the best game I've watched all year, uh, was Creighton at Providence last week. When they go to, I think it went to three overtimes. I'm talking about some elite shot making. So, you know, Creighton. They've only got two losses uh, since January 20th, but one was the aforementioned, you know, uh, multiple overtime game at Providence. The other one was by one to Butler. So, you know, they can avenge that loss uh, with a win uh, at home on Saturday. And, 
yeah, I uh, or not. I'm sorry, not at home on Saturday. What am I talking at Butler at Hinkle? Um, and I think they will. I think they'll get that done. I would lay probably all the way up to three, but I don't. I don't think we're going to have to. I think it's going to be closer to pick them. You know, I it, that'd be great. Um, I, of course, the time I actually go against Butler, I get screwed. I hope not. But one thing I will say about Creighton is, unless they're playing a great defensive team, they win. You know, they they will win those games, and they're just the better finesse team out of a lot of others. And you saw that last year a little bit in the NCAA tournament when, you know, they finally had to go up against San Diego State and really struggled. You know, they played Baylor, which is more offense than defense. They beat Baylor. You know, they beat Princeton. They beat NC State. And then, obviously, uh, the San Diego State at the end is where the total went to 113 in that game. You know, I mean, that's Creighton's crutch. And that's why they lost to UConn when they were away. That's why they lost the pro- or that, that very close game against Providence, right? But, you know, Butler... They did get them at home. It was a one-score game, but Butler doesn't play lockdown defense. They only rank 82nd on Ken Palm um, and defense. They allow scoring to happen. They choke in the end. Um, yeah, you know, Butler is probably – I'm, I'm confused with them. At first, I had them as a sell team, then a buy team. I completely shit the bed when it comes to Butler. But, man, I, I just see all Creighton here, and they can shoot the ball very well fourth in effective field goal percent you know they still have Kalkbrenner there 7-1 if you bang him up then he's bad but if you if, if you let him play then he's good you know that's just the way it is and Shireman there they're gonna have a size advantage Creighton's playing too for uh respect you know Butler Butler probably played themselves pretty close to the bubble you know they're they're probably in because they have the Creighton win eh, they're in never mind uh, they have Texas Tech win too, but you know I think Creighton this this would be a spot at pick them minus one. Maybe I'll be on Creighton. I won't do it at minus two, but that's not what the spread is showing right now. So I have agreement with you too. Um, let's do a little hodgepodge, dude. Before we get into the UFC, uh, let's bring up Friday's games. And you have Nova versus Georgetown. So Nova's going to be on the road, laying like what thirteen points or something. I mean, Haslametric has it what fourteen points. I'm going to say it's probably going to be 11 or 12 points Nova's going to lay. Dude, I can't stand Kyle, Kyle Neptune. I can't stand him. But at the yeah, same, same time, Georgetown is... He, I don't see him lasting very long there. I don't either. And this is just a spot where I feel like Nova f- might assume they're going to sleepwalk past this one, you know? I mean, but I, I will say that Georgetown's hard to bet because they've just been... Jesus, they're they're below George Mason, I think. You know, they're down to 184th on Ken Palm. Look at this red. You know, I mean, they, too bad they don't play DePaul every single game. <laughs> but <they're>, <laughs> <laughs> too bad all of us don't get to play DePaul know, every right? we, we'd be we'd be studs, dude. We'd be studs. Uh, Who the hell's gonna take that job? I know. This is just a hold your nose. Like, is there any integrity? If you appreciate Ed Cooley from the years that he's had, how many years was he at Providence, dude? Since 2011. A lot. Just like 12 12 years at Providence. I mean, if you believe him in him at all, you you might take them as a double-digit dog. I mean, that's one idea. Um, what What about you? 
Yeah, this game doesn't interest me uh, a whole lot. Um, are you? What's what's Ken Palm got the total at? Ken Palm's got the total at one forty-one. Yeah, I might be interested in the over. Uh, the over's on an eight and one run uh, for Georgetown. Um, Nova. Um, let's see. Yeah, six and four to well, the over. Well, last, see, Nova uh, Nova will foul a ton at the end if they have to. So that always keeps the over involved with them. Um, yeah. Know, Georgetown just gives up so many points. They just, they, they just, they don't defend very well. That, that being yeah. my main uh, interest in the over. Um, and they have, they have not played yet uh, this year. So don't have a, 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 you know, whatever combined score they would have right. had, but uh, it would be over. Would be my look or or pass. All right, over and, a pass, probably gonna be a pass. And since and and so another big one, San Diego State versus New Mexico. Uh, San Diego State's at home. I think New Mexico beat them last time. Um, I'll pull up San Diego State. Uh, yeah, they lost at the rack, uh, eighty-eight to seventy. Kind of like a little revenge spot here for them. New Mexico has crazily lost two games at home, which is very strange, but they haven't lost away since UNLV on January 9th. So they kind of flipped it around and said, Hey, we're a road team now. Uh, I I'm, I'm on San Diego state maybe on that game, but I'm not, I'm not laying past three that Ken Palm's got four. So uh, just, that's my thoughts. Uh, there is a game on here that I'm going to challenge our listeners with. I will be on probably as a premium play. But this team hasn't lost away since December. And I'm not saying who it is. But if you do your homework and look at the Friday slate, you can figure out who that is. But there's a very under-the-radar team that hasn't lost an away game in conference play. So just keep that in mind. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I hope to hear from you on Twitter if you find out which one. But it, it's not too hard. You just got to look through the teams and figure it out. I, I got to guess. Go ahead. <sighs> One guess. VCU? Nope. What? Nope. VCU? Nope. Not VCU. Uh, Unless they did too, but no, I don't think it's VCU. And I'm pretty sure that they lost uh, away a couple times already. Um, let's move on. So Sunday, here real quick, Sunday, I have to ask you this. When Purdue yeah. is laying 12, 11, 10, whatever it is, at Ohio State on Sunday, Brian, do we have to bet Ohio State for the coach fired spot here? <laughs> oh man, it, it does usually work. Uh, I feel like uh, you know teams with that interim coach. It's usually a coach they were so ready to go away, and they're usually feeling so like a big weight off their shoulder. That asshole coach is gone, and uh, they do usually play good that first game. Um, with that said, we don't have to play Ohio State. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Purdue's been pretty good about covering a bunch of double-digit uh, numbers this year. And just, just looking at Ohio State right now, um, man, it's been a struggle for them. It's, it's no wonder they got rid of Holtman yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I – uh, what did you say you thought the number would be? 12, 12-ish? Is that what you said? Uh, I think the number is going to be about 10 to 12. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no major opinion there. No opinion on that one. 
All right. No opinion on that one. All right. Well, you know what? We have to talk UFC because it's a massive event here, and we don't got a ton of time left, so I want to make sure we get this in, but we have a massive slate here. UFC 298. Uh, Ilya Teporia against Alexander Volkanovsky. Before we get into the main card here, anything on the undercards, the prelims or the early prelims that stick out to you? Oh man, I um, I need to do uh, some more research on these. Uh, under, now the under, now Mackenzie Dern, um, I uh, I kind of want to see the face off, but I, I'm not against uh, Mackenzie Dern as a small underdog. Um, and I looked at the under price on the heavyweight fight uh, with uh, Delima and, and Justin Taffa. But the under one and a half was like my, more, you know, the price to take the under was north of minus 200. So I, I can't do that. Um, now, uh, a prop for the fight to end in round one, which I have not seen those odds. If that's kind of close to even money, I might would consider uh, that. But, um, yeah, I, I've got some research to do on, on the undercard for the most part. Yeah, I mean, Rogerio de Lima is old. He's 38 years old. Yep. I mean, for fighting, um, he's got the better ground game. But the truth is, is that I mean, is Tafa even going to allow that? Tafa, 30 years old, in his prime, on a nice little run here. I could see him KOing uh, Delima. I mean, Jesus, he hasn't been to a third round for since five fights ago against Jared Vanderera and Vendera, and then Carlos Felipe before that. So. He, this fight usually ends pretty early for him. Now, my problem is if Marcos does start wrestling and gets him on the ground, that's where it gets a little dicey here. Um, I, I would consider a Tafa and Tafa by KO. So I did look at that one. I didn't bet it yet. Go ahead. So I'm looking at that now. So FanDuel and Bet Rivers have uh, Tafa by KO at plus 180. I, I kind of like that. I, I wouldn't risk a lot because you get almost a two-to-one return. But uh, I'm okay with a Tafa win by KO. Okay. Uh, play. Okay. Top plus one eighty, and that's the most assumable situation here. Uh, Rogerio de Lima usually uh, his fights go out. Three out of the last five didn't last, and uh, yeah, he just. I mean, the Arlovsky fight. Arlovsky was so old and done by then. He was able to choke Arlovsky out, but Tafa's got the energy, I think, to to move past that. So, uh, and I'll also note that, sorry to cut you off, but Tafa has won three in a row, all inside of two minutes in round one. And then the, the fourth fight I was in Jacksonville was the accidental, uh, eye poke that, uh, 29 seconds in that made that a no contest. And all seven of Tafa's career wins are by KO. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And I'm glad you brought up Dern because I'm looking at Dern here. I better at plus one ten. Um, I I, I could have got a better number earlier, but I didn't. But I still liked her as you know, basically better than a pick'em here. It's like I got this girl that uh, will fight for you. You know, she's got a lot going on in her life. You know, she's loves social media. She's got all kinds of crazy pictures. Uh, Amanda Lemos is a is a is a fantastic opponent. Uh, I think I've made some money on Amanda Lemos, but the problem is I think she's going to lose this in the clinch. Lamos has taken care of a lot of middle of the road. Uh, she barely got a split versus Angela Hill, and Angela Hill is always in her fights. 
lost to Andrade, and they both just lost to Andrade. And Andrade is just a weird fighter lately. It's like you think she's fading, and all of a sudden she comes back. Then she get, loses to Wei Li Zhang. And, uh, you know, Zhang beat her up the whole time. I, I watched that. Mackenzie Dern's good in the clinch, and she's going to uh, show that. She's good at wrestling, and she should be able to get uh, Lamos down, in my opinion. I think that it's going to be probably a decision win, but I don't want to rule out anything. When I'm getting plus money on a dog, I don't want to get too cute on this one because they're not heavyweights like Tafa. Right. You know, I, I think I think just taking right, the plus right, right. one ten and a and a fight that you should be picking. If you look at what Dern has done, when she loses, she gets back up. You know, she lost back in 2017 to Leslie Smith. Then she wins five in a row, including Angela Hill. Then she lost to Andrade. Then she comes back and beats Michelle Waterson Gomez. You know, and just choke. She chokes her out. You know, she's a great wrestler. She's great at taking down. You know, uh, I think some of those stats really. She's three and zero off a loss. Yeah, three and off loss. Three and off, and I think she's probably in a better. I didn't watch her um, uh, media scrum yesterday. I, I probably will just because I I don't mind looking at her, but um, I think she's probably in a better place. You know, she's been going through that divorce and custody battle and all that. I feel like, and I feel like she spent her whole media um, Wednesday media day talking about just that the last couple of fights. Now I have again, I haven't watched. Uh, what she said in her media scrum Wednesday, but I did notice on Instagram that it looks like a new boyfriend's in the picture. So I'm thinking Mackenzie is probably in a little better headspace than where she's been these last few fights. For sure. If this is minus 120, Mackenzie, I probably don't do it. You know, it's plus 110. You know, that's where it is. You're getting a dog, a disrespected dog. You have to remember that dog means disrespect. These fighters know their odds. You know, it's not like they don't know that stuff. So I agree with you on that. Uh, yeah, this undercard is interesting. Um, some weird fighters that like haven't been in the UFC in a couple of them. Uh, the Josh Quinlan one looks a little bit interesting, but for the sake of time, let's get right into the main card. Uh, you know, starting with Fluffy Hernandez versus Roman Kapilov. Now, what's interesting about this is you know Kapilov's a big dude. He, they're both supposed to be six foot, but Kapilov's got kind of like the bigger stature. This fight keeps climbing. And it was minus 170 last week on Anthony Hernandez. Now it's like minus 240, minus 250. This is a big public side. I hate being on the freaking public side. But I think Anthony Hernandez has enough forward pressure, um, enough takedown to really tire Kapilov out. Now, of course, there's always the part where Hernandez could get popped, you know, and that's pretty much any fighter. But if this thing gets past the first round, I think that Hernandez is the one that probably wins it based on points. Um, he hasn't been uh, knocked out since Kevin Holland back in 2020. He has four nice wins in a row. The Mark andre burial was nice. He just threw the big guy around. So that tells me that Fluffy can wrestle with the big guys. And I think Fluffy's probably in a little bit better of a spot. Um, I, I do like what... Durea or what uh, Roman Kapilov's been doing, being a couple pretty good guys, Punahili, Soriano, Josh Fremd, but it, it's nothing like uh, I think. I think that Anthony Hernandez has had the harder schedule. I think Shabazian, Mark Andre Berriot, they both beat Josh Fremd and Rodolfo Vieira, who just won last week, beating my ticket against Armand Petrosian. So uh, I like his wins, but but you're at minus two fifty. So here's what I'm doing. I might take Hernandez for a small chunk of change, see if I can get him uh, to sub this guy out. You know, um, that could happen. He uh, 
two of Roman's losses were by decision and then by sub. But I will put him in a parlay because I hate being on the public side. And I got another public one I'm going to team him up with. But I'm going to first let see what your thoughts, if any, are on this fight. Yeah, I think Hernandez is the way to go on on a parlay, and I'm not against uh, a submission at plus 200 at FanDuel. Um, That's the most generous payout. Now, everywhere else is like plus 175 or plus 180. So, I mean, that would be okay if it's just that. That would just be a small play. But um, I've got a couple of other favorites that I feel like that I I would package Hernandez in a parlay with and, and... when we get to those other fights, I'll mention that. So for now, I'll just say, look, I'm okay with a small play on uh, Fluffy by sub, anywhere from plus 175 to plus 200, and and in a parlay, which uh, we'll add some people as we go here. All right, sounds good. Let's move to the next fight, Mirab Devalishvili against Henry Cejudo. So here's another problem. This is the same thing that happened to me. I, I like Mirab Devalishvili some in this fight. Um, Suhudo's been fantastic. I don't know why he retired after he got the belt. Uh, who did he beat? Right? Uh, he, was the, uh, never, he was in the biggest role of his life. I know. Was, he, he beats Cruz. And I remember watching that fight, and then he retires, and he comes back. He comes back strong, you know? He's at 135. He, uh, uh, I, th- I thought he beat Aljamain Sterling, you know? Aljamain's got the decision, the split decision on that one. I thought he won the fight. So I give him credit, but I'm also not high on Sterling. I never been. I always thought he was kind of a deceptive fighter who got some wins um, in in a no contest, you know, obviously against uh, Peter uh, Jan, right? And and, uh, dumbass Jan, dumbass Jan. But here, well, look at what Mirab. Look at what Mirab did to Jan. Just threw him all over. Mirab's got just the forward pressure here that could mess up Sehudo. So Sehudo's got power. Mirab's got some power too. But I just think that Mirab's smart enough to get Sehudo on the ground and uh, you know kind of keep the pressure on him. If you look at his takedowns, they're just absolutely insane. 6.55 average takedowns per 15 minutes when Cejudo's at 2.07. Now, Cejudo's always got good takedown defense. Anybody in these lower weight classes there, anybody, usually do. But this is kind of where Mirab's pretty good. But here, but Mirab's also got more significant strikes landed per minute, and he defends them better. Absorb 2.41. Uh, Cejudo absorbs 3.15. Cejudo with his all-or-nothing BS, because he's be like... If we're going to win this one, this is it again. It's like, dude, it's like you watch too many drama movies, man. Just be a freaking professional. He's such a drama queen. I know. I know. So so I like Mirab, but here's again the price going up. So I partnered Mirab before this thing got real juicy. I think it's probably plus 100. I got plus 115, and I partnered him with Fluffy. So that's the way I'm playing this one. I don't think that uh, Devalishvili finishes this one. I, I almost kind of like Devalish Feely by decision, but you're not going to get a great price on that, Brian. Yeah, bro, there we go. The brilliant minds think alike again. Um, yeah, that's who I want to. I want to put Mirab uh, with Fluffy in the parlay. Now, I want to. I'm okay with just doing those two. I might want to put Whitaker in it, um, but and I forget if we talked about. I think we talked about this off the air before we came on. I can't do anything on Whitaker at Costa until I see Costa's way in. Um, so for now, I'll just say 
I'm good with a fluffy Mirab. You said it'd be plus 115 uh, together, but we would hope on a parlay there. Yeah, I, that's what I got. It's probably plus 100 now because the price went okay. up. I, I took it like a day yeah. or two days ago, I think. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm good with that, but I might want to also have Whitaker in it. But I again, I I won't know that until you know Friday uh, afternoon because uh, yeah, we're out west, so the weigh-ins will be a little later in the morning. Right, right, right. Let's move on to the next one then. We have Jeff Neal versus Ian Gary. <laughs> All right, my man, I'm letting you start this one, but I think there's a lot of people that want Ian Gary to lose, <laughs> and he's just a He's a smack talker, and he's not like the first one to do it from Ireland. So now people hate him. Like Connor, kind of caught fire. Everyone liked Connor because he backed it up. He starts at one forty-five. He moves up, and, and he and he talked his way to the title. But Ian Gary's doing that same thing. It's played out now, Kerry. You can't do that because you're from Ireland, dude. Come come with something different. But he's cocky. But he backs it up. Where's where your thoughts? Yeah. So um, Gary's been really good to me. Um, and I, uh, I had him in, uh, I went to three Jacksonville shows in a row and, uh, he won me some money over in Jack's, uh, I think that's been a couple years ago now, but, um, uh, look, man, I, I I'm kind of thinking upset here, but I want to see the face-offs and I want to see how, how decided that, that height and size advantage is for, uh, for Gary. And, and we can see those face-offs, uh, here in a couple hours, yeah. uh, tonight's presser, but, um, I thought Neil looked spectacular against Shavkat. In fact, I don't think anybody in the welterweight division would have beaten Jeff Neal that night except for Shavkat. Shavkat, yeah. yeah. Shavkat got all he wanted and then some that night. And it's fortunate a couple of those haymakers that he caught did not turn his lights out. Um, and then Neil, before that, well, the split decision with Ponzinibbio, uh, but finishing Luke was impressive. Um, and, you know, uh, well, I, yeah, Luke is kind of – his hot streak kind of ended uh, he, He's a, a punchy bag, back, man, but, lately. He's, yeah, he's but, been, yeah. yeah, but um, I, I, I could see Neil maybe getting pulling this off here. And, and, you know, there's bad blood, and he's highly motivated. And um, he said – had, you know, he's had plenty of time. He's had 11 months uh, to recover from the Shavkat fight where I thought he might have had his best performances of his career, maybe. Um, even even in defeat, because we know Shavkat is a different dude. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, commit to it 100% right now. If that, if the face-off, if it, that size advantage looks a little, be a little much, because it might be, you know, tough for, for Neil to get on the inside. Uh, when they're standing and, and, and trading. But, I mean, Shavkat had a pretty good size advantage over Neil as well. And um, But uh, but Gary's, Gary's, you know, Gary's taller than um, yeah. than Shavkat. So, yeah, we'll see. But I, I, um, I, I'm, I, I'm interested in Neil. Uh, not going to commit to it quite yet, though. It's weird that uh, Ian Gary's below – Neil and Luke in their rankings, yet Gary's a big favorite here. I mean, minus two something, right? Um, yeah, this is an interesting welterweight because I do believe Shavkat's the best, but you can't forget about Kamaru Usman. Is Usman's not moving up to middleweight, right? He's going right back to welterweight, and and, and the way that he fought his last fight against uh, 
Uh, what's his face? We both bet opposite sides on that one. Uh, Chimaev. Chimaev, yeah. Chimaev. Yeah, where's Kamzat? I'm not even seeing him in the rankings. He must be like all over the place or something, you know? Maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't have him as a uh, uh, as a contender. Yeah, he, they don't have him as either. So that's why. It's like, why, why is Kamzat not there? Is he not signed? I'll have to look at that. Yeah, I think... I think UFC has done a really piss poor job with Chamayev the last two years getting him fights. I mean, really piss poor. I mean, the dude wants to fight constantly. And, I mean, he's one of your biggest stars. And I, just, I don't understand it at all. Yeah, he is the, one of the best. I, w- I was waiting for him to, you know, take the belt from uh, uh, Leon Edwards. But now he moved up and. He beat the crap out of Kevin Holland like nothing. Uh, Gilbert Burns was nothing before that, and then whoa, 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 whoa. time out. Oh, oh no, 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 you're, oh, sorry, no, oh, Jing Lang. <laughs> Come on, that's no, one of the no, that, 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 I've that, ever that, that was a great fight by Burns. I meant Jing Lang Lee. You're right. Gilbert Burns was was a yeah, tough yeah, yeah, fight yeah. for him. Yeah. You know, Gilbert Burns yeah. was almost like the Jeff Neal fight against uh, Shavkat, right? Shavkat. It, 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 it yeah. feels like that was kind of the barn same thing. burner, barn burner. But but hey, I, I, I was at that one. I was at that. Yeah, one, I know. Maybe lower I know. level, like a third row. Lucky man. Uh, I, I mean, this one is. Oh God, I, I I went two ways. I have Jeff Neal by KO at plus three twenty five for one half unit or whatever I did. Maybe I did a full unit. I can't remember. And then I have Ian Gary by decision for my for plus one fifty. So. Either way, I'd win if those two outcomes work. So you're basically just kind of betting the outcomes. My blended odds are probably close to plus 100 just because you have so much on the Neil side, even though the Neil side's more improbable. If you want to calculate your blended odds, you have to actually put the probabilities in there too. But either way, I think I'm waiting for Gary to get popped. And if anybody can do it, it could be Jeff Neal. But my problem is Jeff Neal, the profile that beats Jeff Neal is Ian Gary. You know, the profile that gives him a tough time in a fight is the tall, lanky guys. Rangy. Very, yep, rangy. Rangy with a distance with the length. Exactly. And Neal keeps getting, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Ian Gary keeps getting better and better. But man, that fight against Shavkat made me have belief. And Jeff Neal, and yeah, he, he landed some blows on Shavkat. He felt a few of them. I think, but his, his, we're talking about this fight. I think I'm gonna have to go to YouTube and watch it again when we're done. This. Right, right. Why not? Uh, he lost. Right. To, he lost to a tall and slender Neil Magny, and he lost his tall Stephen Thompson. You know, it's just the same profile, really, as Ian Gary. Except Ian Gary's maybe even that much better. Ian Gary's gonna try to play with him, but Ian Gary just lets that thing in. Jeff Neal's popping him, and. I think Ian Gary plays with his food. He doesn't get out. And he is more worried about his defense, and that's why he's winning these fights into the third round than he is about finishing, which is smart. That's actually very smart. So his mouth is big, but he's He better be like that Saturday, too. You're right. And, and, And so I like Ian Gary by decision at plus 150 and Jeff Neal by KO plus 325 or whatever it is now. So that's the way I'm playing it. I mean, I hope one of those. I, I don't like to bet two sides of the fight like that, but the way you laid it out right there made a ton of sense because I can see Gary winning a decision by keeping the distance, controlling range, and peppering him with kicks with his long-ass legs. But then at the same, by the same token, 
if Neil's able to get inside and close the distance, he could always land one of those uppercuts and put and I don't feel like Gary's chin has been really tested. We got we still have a lot to learn about Ian Gary. So I, I um I could see you winning. Um, you know, hopefully getting oh, one of those. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy with one of them. If if Jeff Neal yeah, does yeah. it, I'll be double happy. <laughs> Let's move on to the next right, fight, right. dude. Let's go with uh, well, Paula Costa versus Robert Whitaker. So, I I think the price is probably correct. Costa is like, I you nailed it when you told me earlier that you got to wait for weigh-ins for Costa because you never know. Costa's got the power. Whitaker, the way he lost his last fight, made you like wonder: Is this dude done? Did he have some personal problems? Was he sick? You know, I mean, he got his butt kicked. You know, um, and I'm, big time got th- his ass. Tore up like we. I mean, I know. We, well, other than the Adesanya knockout the first time, we have never really seen Whitaker to get beat beat like that. No um, doubt. But, although, and he fought Adesanya yeah. good the second time, and then he beats Vittori, you know, right. and and then and then Drew Plessis kicks his butt. I think I personally now think that Strickland would beat Whitaker, and and they didn't they haven't fought yet, but um, I think that could be the next fight after this, but. Coast is a tough nut to crack because, like you said, he we got to see if he weighs in. He's got the power in his punch, but he's kind of he's kind of clumsy and slow, and um, I, I don't think he's fast enough for a good Robert Whitaker. And I think the price is probably right, right. in the minus two hundreds. But I don't trust it as a parlay piece or anything. I'm staying away. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like like that as well. Now, if Costa comes in. Like on weight, like I guess what I'm worried about with putting Whitaker in the parlay, I'm worried about Costa coming in like five pounds overweight and Whitaker still fighting him and you know taking thirty percent of his purse or whatever. And like I would not want to have Whitaker in the parlay if he's if he's gonna you know be compromised because he cut all the weight and Costa didn't. And I can see that happening. Um, now I don't know if Whitaker would agree to have the fight if he comes in four or five pounds heavy but um you know we've seen that with costa so we know it can happen and so i just can't it's, it's a pass for me now um if costa's on weight because i whitaker's got too much speed for him standing if, if whitaker is right now then you know he's had he's had some time to recover from the knockout it was july 8th um so it's not like a super quick turnaround. It's not the longest layoff either. Maybe it's just right. Um, we'll see. But I think I think Whitaker runs circles around him standing. You know, obviously he's got to avoid his power punches, but Whitaker's so fast and, and, and elusive and quick and in and out standing that um, I, I think he should have his way way uh when the fight's standing now i think costa will be a lot stronger if, if we have you know clinch situations or, or he's able to get a takedown um you know that would concern me a little bit but uh yeah so right now it's a pass if you know if the weigh-ins go smoothly and, and i like what i'm seeing in the face-offs maybe i add whitaker to the mirab and fluffy uh parlay but for now, it's a pass. Yeah, Costa, you know, lost, got kind of out-wrestled a little bit by Vittori. He lost to Izzy and got knocked out. He He's slow, but he you're right. If he gets Whitaker in the clinch, but I think Whitaker's too slick and slimy, and he'll get out of that clinch. Right. And, I, and I think you have to really yeah. think that Costa could get knocked out here. He's a punching bag. He absorbs over six significant strikes per minute. You know, um, this is a three-round fight. It's not a five-round fight, right? 
I'm pretty sure this is a three-round fight. Right. Even though it's a co-main event, yeah, yeah, yeah. it should still be a three-round fight. So uh, staying away for now, but if, if if Costa makes weight, we'll see if anything changes. But I think Whitaker by by uh, KO might might be a sneaky one, but I'm not, I'm not sold on it. That would just be a, a thought before I break it down a little bit more and look at it. But that brings us to the main event. And Alexander Gotanowski, and I say Gotanowski because he is the best ever in the 145 weight class in my opinion i i think that um uh he's he, never lost no I mean, of course he's never and and he earned <laughs> and he earned the respect to get that fight against islam now you have Ilya Taporia being like i'm gonna win this one then i'm gonna go up it's like first of all defend your title about five times then fight a couple contenders yeah. at 155 then we'll talk if you're you know talking i i hate how he kind of got a little mouthy but Besides the point, Volk went all the way down to minus 125. Ilya's plus 105. I gave this out in mid-December. Ilya at plus 154. And I liked Ilya with that price back then. But this price is getting very close. And Volk's got a bit disrespective. It was about minus 110 apiece. And then it kind of bounced back towards Volk. I listened to a lot of UFC sports betting shows. And a lot of those guys are on Volk. Um, I think the public side is also going to be Volk. Volk's got a little bit better of a reach. He's done it all, but I don't like Volk's situation. You know, it's just weird. He got a little bit humiliated here. He had some mental issues. He has a really funny commercial too, by going on right now. I, I saw it. Did you see that? I that was it. that was funny. That was silly. I, I like that about Volk. I thought that was really cool. But Ilya's. I mean, I've been playing on betting Ilya in this fight for over two years. I've been so pro Ilya that. Um, you know, I felt stupid when I tried to go against him with Bryce Mitchell, and Thug Nasty got out wrestled by Ilya Topuria in that fight. So that just told me, like, holy cow! You know, that, that just absolutely blew. It's just like, why did I go against this guy? I I went small. It's not like, but it was a price play, is why. But I mean, geez, Ilya is beating the crap out of everyone. He's tough. He's strong. He's better than everybody except maybe Volk. And I personally think that Volk has been compromised with that knockout. And he's been knocked down, you know, before in his fights as well. Um, Ilya got a little bit roughed up when he fought Jai Herbert. He got it, he, he got a little dazed. He shook it off. But that gives me a little concern here for him. But... The truth is, is that Volk's older. He's thirty-five. I guess the the stats on defending your title when you, when you when the age is thirty-five and higher is very very bad. And uh, I I'm happy with my plus one fifty-four. I give Ilya a fifty-five percent chance of winning this fight. I could see him get knocked out too. Volk's got what thirteen KOs. You know, I mean thirteen three KOs, three submissions, ten decisions. He could just pound the leg he's a very good low thrower you know he can kick the calves he can he can he can take your knees out you know i mean volk's done that a ton i've seen his fights against ortega against max holloway i thought he lost the second fight against max holloway but he's been knocked out uh, I, oh god so did i no doubt god, no was... doubt i thought that was a robbery, but Oh, I robbery. Mean, before Volk, let's face it, it was Jose Aldo in this. It was, uh, there wasn't a lot of massive fighters. And I think it was just kind of Ortega who turned into a China doll. You love T-Sizzle, but 
I mean, it, th- I think this is a weak weight class. And maybe Ilya's the guy that does it. I got Ilya winning the fight. If it gets past one, it's not going to happen. But if I could get Volk at plus 130 or better, I would play. I would just bet both sides and just eat popcorn and take my money. Because, you know, but it's sure. not going to happen. Um, I, I'm going to stick with Ilya until that price. But I, my, my number is 55%. What about you? I just I love both of these fighters. They're, they're this is could be a fight of the year or it will be a fight of the year candidate. I think um, I, these are not two guys that you want to bet against. Um, you these are two bet on fighters. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Volks at featherweight, you right, know, right. Um, rather rather on eleven days <laughs> on eleven days notice, and now we find out he was been drinking every day for like how how long he said he been drinking every day for two months. That is or not good, like that. dude. That, that, is, that messes with. Yeah, I was muscle. like, huh? I mean, I, like, I you, you're you, always talking about being professional. Well, dude, you got to understand where he's from. They drink vodka for lunch, right? Oh, oh wait, no, he's from sure. Australia. Yeah. Never mind. They drink there too, though. They drink a they ton like of a beer. Drink too. <laughs> they, they drink too. I, for for a minute, I was thinking ski in Poland, but no, yeah. he's from Australia. But yeah, right. they drink there too. But yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, right. Two months in a row. What? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I was in Jacksonville to see Taporia. Um, just put it on Emmett. And what uh, a great God. fight that was, dude! And Emmett got so much respect from me. After oh, he was doing... throwing haymakers to the very finish, even though his face was caved in. <laughs> I mean, and he was he was still throwing gas. And I mean, God, that that punch that knocked Bryce out—that shows you how hard he punches, man. And Emmett was still trying to work and get in there and i've seen him get a great comeback like he did against michael johnson to take my money like right. five years ago um but uh anyhow um all that said and i look if i'm you I, i'm feeling good about my plus 154 ticket as well um but you know it's the main event i want to have a little bit on it it's not a strong play but I think I'm going to go with Volk at just this inexpensive price. I hear what ex- – I mean, I'm all in with what you're saying. It's a pretty quick turnaround. I mean, Volk, um, he, he got knocked out in a welterweight fight like 11 years ago. But other than that, he hasn't been knocked out in his career. And he takes a pretty bad KO in late October. And this is kind of a quick turnaround coming off your first KO loss in, in, in 11 years. So – I, I I feel good with plus one fifty four, but I, you know if I can get minus one twenty minus one twenty five, I got to go with a little bit on Volk, but it's not with a ton of confidence. I think both these fighters are are fantastic, and they're they're just not guys you really want to be betting against, and that's why I won't be doing it for a whole lot of money. Well, plus one six plus one fifty four, you need forty percent better or chance to win. Uh, for that to be a good number, I think there's an over forty percent chance that Ilya wins this fight. So I'm definitely happy with that. You know, I'm glad I took it early. Um, I think the sharp betters took the, took it early. I mean, it's just what it is. And uh, maybe some buy back, and maybe there's some. I mean, you you can profit on both sides now that uh, Alexander's only minus one twenty five. He's not minus one fifty four. You know, you can. If you want to get cute, toy it. But um, I'm not going to run away from a good bet. I'm not going to get cute on it. It's a, no, I, I hear you. I don't need the money. I'm just, you know, I, I'll ride this out. And uh, 
I'll be rooting for Topuria, but I have the utmost respect for Volk, and I think he's the greatest of all time in his weight class. But this is a must-watch, dude. I, this is a must-watch event. You oh, watch 100%. Yeah. I mean, if you're by yourself, 100%. you suck it up and pay for the pay-per-view because right now this one is the one I've been waiting for, my man. But, hey. Yeah, this is going to be a great fight. Can't wait, and uh, it's going to be good stuff. Well, Brian, we broke it all down at least as much as we could. Uh, one thing that we can't sleep on is Brian's great articles over at Major Wager, Vegas Insider. Where could our listeners get your amazing information and plays? Uh, yeah, so my um, content, MajorWager.com. You can get my uh, picks uh, at VegasInsider.com. Find me on Twitter at VegasBEdwards. Um, just hit me with a, uh, a DM and we can... Work out a picks arrangement, uh, just me and you or, or whoever it is reaching out to me, uh, what have you. And um, what else? Oh, oh, yeah. I do a, a new uh, a Friday podcast um, with myself and Jay Greason, uh, and it's on uh, Southeastern 14, which is a YouTube channel. And uh, we talk all the SEC basketball games. For Saturday, we'll be doing that tomorrow morning. Should be available tomorrow afternoon at uh, Southeastern 1-4, like the 14 teams that there are currently, although we got 15 and 16 coming next year with OU in Texas. All right. Well, check that out. Friday not fr- I love Friday podcast. Don't tell me you're working too hard on Friday. You're not. Tune in to Brian's show, my man. You'll get some great fun information for the weekend. Brian, always a blast, my man. We'll be texting this weekend. Thanks, Kiev, man. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. And uh, best of luck on all your bets and to the listeners. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It went long, but we had a lot to talk about. If you have any questions for us, feel free to tweet us at The Odds Breakers. If you want us to break out of a game, tweet us at The Odds Breakers. If you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you get this show it would greatly help the algorithm really appreciate you listening out you listeners out there hope you win all your bets this weekend enjoy all the games enjoy the fights and go get some winners 